So today is Commitment Sunday. We're bringing this sermon series called The Power of Generosity uh, to a close. And uh, I want to say thank you to those of you who have or will make a commitment uh, to support the church. It makes a big difference. It allows us to set our operating budget. And then again, uh, you're invited to the picnic uh, today from 4 to 7. should be a beautiful day uh, for that. I came into the staff meeting a couple of weeks ago and I had a question for them, and the question was this. What bothers you and concerns you the most about our world and about our society? And as you can imagine, there were lots of answers, but here are some of the things that were said by different members of our staff. Narcissism, a self-centered mindset where life revolves around me, where people are all wrapped up in themselves, Coarseness, rudeness, vulgarity, that civility has been on the decline in our culture. People have a hard time having uh, differing viewpoints and uh, dialogues. When they disagree, it turns into attacks. It turns personal. A lack of empathy, which could certainly be related uh, to narcissism, that if you're all wrapped up in yourself, you can't show empathy or compassion for uh, other people. Violence and hate, somebody said. There's too much violence in our world, and it's often tied to hate, just like what we saw last Sunday morning at the Waffle House uh, in Antioch. Too much negativity. Too many people are cynical and pessimistic, always focusing on the negative, like I'm doing to begin this sermon here this morning, (laughs) that we need to focus more on the positive. And uh, it's so much easier to complain and criticize and to actually come up with solutions. Somebody said selfishness. Somebody said not enough listening, that we're always quick to talk, but we're slow to listen. Too much time spent on our phones, and we're not present with the people in our company. Anger and hostility. And somebody else said people who don't know how to love, perhaps because they've never been loved and they've never experienced love in their own lives. How would you answer that question? What bothers you most about our world and about our culture. Now let me ask you another question this morning. What would you say is good and right in the world? What gives you hope? What gives you reassurance? I hope on that list that you would include the church and faith and love Not because the church is perfect, but because the church is trying to give the world what it wants and needs desperately. And that is healing. And that is mercy. And that is hope and grace. These are the things that Jesus Christ was all about. You've heard our scripture this morning many times before, taken from Matthew 25. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in all his glory, all the angels with him, he'll sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him. He'll separate people one from another like sheep and goats. The king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, well, Lord, when was it 
that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And what does Jesus say? He says, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Just as you did it to one of the least of these members of my family, to one of the people that you might not ever suspect, you did it to me. Now this passage is uncomfortable. Why? Because there are many times in all of our lives when there are people that we could have helped, people that we could have stopped and made a difference in their lives and for whatever reason we chose not to do it. We could have done something to make somebody else's situation a little bit better, but for whatever reason we, we, we chose not to do it. But I don't think that this passage is about guilt. I think this passage is a call to action for Christ's church. This is what we're called to do in this world. This is how we're called to treat people who are struggling, who are suffering. At Princeton, I had the chance to study under a guy named Daryl Guter. He was a professor of missiology, very smart guy, became the academic dean there, but he was known way back in the day as being on the forefront of what's been called the missional church movement. And back in 1998, Dr. Guter, uh, who was heavily influenced by the uh, theology of Karl Barth, uh, wrote a book called The Missional Church. And in that book, he says a number of things. He says, there are two things that have become quite clear to those who care about the church and its mission. First of all, churches in North America are no longer chaplains to the culture and have lost their once privileged position in society. And secondly, he says, churches have become so accommodating to the American way of life that they are now domesticated and it's no longer obvious what justifies their existence as particular communities. Discipleship, he says, has been absorbed into citizenship. And many times you can't tell the difference between Christians and non-Christians because there is no difference. One of the things that Guter argues in the book is that the missional church is called and has always been called to be outwardly focused and not just inwardly focused. It's not just about us gathering together as a church on Sunday mornings. That's really important. But it's about taking the church outside of the walls and into the community, to the places where we live and work and interact with other people. And so what happens here on Sunday morning is really important, but it should equip us and challenge us and inspire us to go out into the world and to embody the love of Jesus Christ in the way that we live. Reggie McNeil puts it this way, God has a mission in mind that everyone can participate in, which is a far cry from a church culture that only gathers on Sunday to watch a few people exercise their gifts. Now, of course, hearing a good sermon is important, and some weeks it's good, some weeks maybe not. And of course, hearing beautiful music like we have heard this morning with Sam and with the choir, of course, that's important. Of course, having Sunday school classes and kids Sunday school, all of that is important, but that's not the ultimate goal. We must take the mission of the church out into the community to serve and change lives. 
The missional church acknowledges that, that North America, the United States, used to send missionaries all over the world, and we still do as a church. We go to Haiti and Guatemala and Africa and lots of places, Puerto Rico. But now, America has become a mission field. There's a lot of work to be done in our backyard and just across town. So we don't have to travel halfway across the world to make a difference because there's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt very close to home. There are many people in our culture, in our congregation, who have not experienced the love of Christ and yet who desperately seek the love of Christ even if they don't realize it. We're celebrating 75 years at Woodmont, 75 years of ministry and mission. I've been giving some thought to the subject of vision. What do we want to do in the future? I mean, it's one thing to celebrate 20, 75 years of, of history, and it's been great and grand. But what is the future going to look like? Uh, how are we going to stay strong and healthy and vibrant? And so I've identified what I would call five vision areas that I believe we need to make sure as a church that we keep these things strong. And the times in Woodmont's history when it's been a healthy, thriving church, those are the times when we've kept these things strong. The times when we've struggled have been the times when these things have slipped. So let me share them with you this morning. The first is worship. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Woodmont has always been known for strong worship. Woodmont is known for music and preaching and fellowship and hospitality. And so we want to make sure that all three worship services that we have on a given morning, 9.30 informal, 9.45 contemporary, 11 o'clock traditional, that we do it well, that we do it as well as we can. Because what's not important is which service you pick to go to. What is important is that you choose to worship because that is the place where we are charged. That is the place where we are inspired. That is a place where we are sent out into the world to take the message, to take the love of Christ, and to share it with a hurting and broken world. And yes, it's true that if we don't worship God, we will find something to worship in life because human beings are wired to worship, and worship must be at the heart of everything that we do. The second area is spiritual formation. Now, years ago, we might have said adult education, but now we say spiritual formation because spiritual formation happens in many different ways, and it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You might be spiritually formed in a Sunday school class, or maybe it's in your small group, or maybe it's in a Bible study, or maybe it's just in, in worship, but we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep our classes strong, our small groups strong, our Bible studies strong. And, and now we're actually talking about the early stages of forming a center for spiritual formation here at Woodmont that might be out of Campbell West, where we could train spiritual directors and offer classes for people to come and learn how to pray and learn how to block out all of the noise that gets in our heads in a very busy world. Part of being spiritually formed is learning to be generous because you cannot be a good steward unless you are spiritually mature. The only way we can keep all of this going is if you and I support this church generously on a regular basis. We live in an age of spiritual emptiness. I think I heard Rick Warren use that phrase. And spiritual emptiness manifests itself in all kinds of forms. Addiction is a common answer to it. Depression is a common answer to it. But what that means is that there are people walking around in our midst 
that don't know why they are here, what their life is called to be about, what they are called to do. And we have to meet that need with purpose because being spiritually empty is no way to live your life. The third vision area is mission and outreach. We want to continue to be a missional church in everything that we do. Our staff will start reflecting that this week with Steve LaForge joining our church as our mission field coordinator. He's retiring from his other job and he's joining the Woodmont staff. But we want all of our members to use their gifts to serve and to give back in this community. Now you've heard me refer to before what I call the big six. And this is not to exclude any outreach ministry, but we, we say that Habitat and Room in the Inn the Nashville Food Project, the Morgan Scott Project, Guatemala, and Walk Through Bethlehem, those are six of our largest ministries. And so we want to make sure that those are healthy because we've had a long history of supporting those and making sure that those are vibrant. We're currently adopting a local elementary school called Fall Hamilton. So if you want to go tutor and help those children learn, many of them live in poverty down by the fairgrounds. That's where that school is. And we're in the process of partnering with them. But the bottom line is we want to make sure that mission and outreach remain a vital part of this congregation. The fourth vision area, children and families. I have three children. I told you last Sunday that one of the reasons Megan and I give is because we want our kids to learn about God and to learn about Jesus and to lay that foundation for the rest of their lives. And many of our new members have come through our children and family ministry. And so we want to make sure that we're keeping that vital and vibrant and healthy. We're expanding our preschool because there's a demand for that. It's growing uh, this fall. And also, we need to find some additional space for children's Sunday school classes because they're crowded down there on Sunday morning. If you don't believe me, take a walk down there and see. There's too many of them that are jammed in the different rooms. But we want our, 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 our ministry to support the entire family, not just the children, but also the parents. I heard a therapist say this, and, and I thought this was fascinating. He said, we don't do anything else in our lives. We don't run anything else in our lives as sloppily as we run marriage. Think about that. Our jobs, even parenting. We want to be a church that supports marriages and relationships. And, and then if somebody's marriage falls apart, we want to pick them up and help them move forward with divorce care and with other support ministries. Lastly, the fifth vision area that I'm lifting up this morning is healing. Healing ministries. There's a lot of pain and brokenness in this world. The church must be there to help and not judge. You know, Woodmont will continue to provide strong pastoral care for our members who are sick and who are going through difficult times. We have a large, one of the largest AA groups that meet in town Tuesday and Thursday night. We have an Al-Anon group on Tuesday night and Saturday morning. We have uh, our Stephen ministry that continues to be almost maxed out supporting people that are going through difficult times. The bottom line is there's a lot of hurt and pain in our world. And if the church cannot be a place where people come to offer their brokenness up and to get help, then where can they go? Divorce care is vital. Picking people up when they go through that horrible transition in life. Woodmont needs to be a place that stresses healing and recovery and rebuilding your life. Here's what I know as a pastor. There is so much pain and brokenness in this world. And there's illness, there's cancer, 
depression, loneliness, divorce, addiction, financial hardships. I believe with all my heart that this church must be a place where people can heal. It must be a place where people can bring their brokenness and find support. The church must be a place that intentionally looks at the needs of the community, things like hunger and poverty and housing, lack of education, spiritual emptiness, and we must do our best to give solutions to those issues. I think Rabbi Harold Kushner was right when he once said this. He said, I've been a rabbi for a very long time. I've dealt with a lot of people who are hurting, women whose husbands have died or had left the marriage, people grieving the death of a child or the loss of a job, people whose deteriorating health left them unable to do the things that they once enjoyed. In every case, I gave them one rule, and it almost always worked. The best way to feel better about yourself is to find someone else to help. The best way to feel better about yourself is to go find someone else to help. Find someone else that you can take by the hand and guide to a better place. You will not only help that person, but you will also help yourself. You will make yourself strong. You will feel better once you've reached out and helped somebody else. There's great wisdom there. Think about that. This is what the church is called to do. This is what the church is called to be. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Yes, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Henry Nouwen, a great spiritual writer, says this. He says, beneath all the great accomplishments of our time, there is a deep current of despair. While efficiency and control are the great aspirations of our society, the loneliness, isolation, lack of friendship and intimacy, broken relationships, boredom, feelings of emptiness and depression, and a deep sense of uselessness fill the hearts of millions of people in our success-oriented world. How right he is. Thank you for your support of this congregation. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving back and for making a difference. Remember, the church is here to give hope to the hopeless. But guess what? At any given time, we might be the ones who need it the most. Amen.